a public service announcement sponsored by Izzy Ray and the good folks at the Raynard Podcast Network. People look at you strange saying you changed, like you worked that hard to stay the same, like you're doing all this for a reason. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Iz, Iz, R to the EY. I used to push podcasts off the east side. Yeah, back then they would call me the best talker out of Lanks in E-Ray. Fresh off the mic, staying straight to the streamers. Based from the topics, got it shaking the speakers. Dope it in the crappy with an A to the vein. Podcast heights is where I'm fucking taking the game. Is Welcome. For the first time in a long time, back to yours truly, Izzy Ray. I got a new podcast show. It's called Takeover FM. Here to document everything in the takeover. It's been a minute since y'all heard my voice. For those who followed me, I'm sorry. For all the new listeners, hello. So the the premise of this podcast is kind of... To document everything that I'm doing right now in my life I got I got music coming out I got these podcasts I got a new clothing line dropping pretty soon It's a lot But I need to keep y'all in the know So I decided I'm gonna Kickstart this project here Take over FM So that I can highlight everything that's going on Keep y'all up to date And then you know I'll have some guests on here That is part of the contributing To everything that's going on but a couple of y'all probably asking, yo, is where you been at? We used to faithfully listen to your podcast. And then one day you just dipped on us. You didn't even give no word. You just like stop. So before I can tell you about what's going on today, I need to tell y'all about what was going on then. First and foremost, my apologies to anybody who I left forsaked. I did not mean to do that. I promise to never do that again. Now, I could tell you all about what was going on over these past couple of years and just kind of do like a little soliloquy, a little monologue all by myself. But the listeners deserve a voice. So as I walk you all through this journey of Izzy Raynard back in 2021, forsaking the podcast and how he came back, I have someone to represent the voice. Now, this person, he's a good friend of mine, but we haven't been friends long. So I thought it would be a good idea to bring him on because he knows me, but he don't know me, know me. So for those who don't know me, know me, but know me, y'all in the same boat as this man. And I got right across from me, the good brother, Marcus Atkinson. What's up, bro? What's up? What's up? Hey, everybody. How y'all doing? Marcus, how you doing today? Can't complain, man. Good, good. Getting ready for this, the weekend. Things I got to accomplish, man. Can't complain. All right. So me and Marcus came to know each other from a mutual friend, Jordan Green. Shout out to him. Big shout out. (laughs) So, uh, you know, we've only known each other for probably like three months total. I'll say three months. Yep. But feels like I've known you for at least two years. (laughs) Yeah. Through the strength of God, you know, we got uh, close and we've had some pretty thought provoking conversations and chopped it up. So... Marcus knows me, but he don't know me, know me. All right. He don't know Izzy Ray from 2021, pandemic Izzy Ray, when he was doing the pod and all that. You know, he only heard a couple of my songs, but most of y'all don't know me, know me either. So this is a good area for us to get in. 
So I'm just going to talk to him directly as if I'm talking to the listener. And he is going to be your voice. I hope he does a good job. I hope so, too. (laughs) All right. So where do we start? This is where we start. All right. Pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. Top of 2020. I started my own podcast network. Mm. Called it the Raynard Podcast Network because I always believe that when you do things, you should throw your name in it. Right. So that is brand recognition, right? So my stage name is E. Raynard. Raynard is Fox and French. I love foxes. That's how I came up with that. So I created the Raynard Podcast Network and I had like five shows mm-hmm. on this network. I had my own show called Raynard versus the World, which was just like my views on things. I had my boy Kari Casanova. He had his own podcast called Kari's Corner, where he kind of went over like current events and like lifestyle choices. We had a podcast called Dogs Gotta Eat, which was probably my favorite because we went to different restaurants and then we rated them on five metrics. We rated them on price, service, taste, ambiance, and I'm missing one. But that one was a really fun one. Uh, we had one called On Your Left, which was a Marvel uh, MCU, like dedicated to that. Right. And all to say, like, it was actually doing pretty successful. It was a lot of work, but it was pretty successful. And I did this for about a year and a half now. I started it at the top of 2020, but as everyone knows, who's been on the earth for more than three years, there was a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of killed a lot of my momentum because I'm sorry, we also had a sports show called the last sports report and sports wasn't on TV. So we couldn't report on it. So we had to like really like come up with some creative ways to like, still air shows and all that also we couldn't really get guests because people weren't socializing at that time so it was rough but i was still sticking it out at the time i was uh, living with my roommate kari the guy who also had a podcast and you know we were doing our things and then i don't know life started to kind of like waver on me and as most people know that when when, when things start to go left, just one thing, a lot of things start getting pulled in the di- direction. It's like a gravitational pull. Like if things are going straight, but then things start going left, even the things that are right are going to get pulled with it. Yeah. So I wasn't feeling too good about my situation in life, particularly at work where I was working at at the time. And then it was just like affecting everything else. So I kind of just like decided, like, I didn't want to do the podcast no more. Like, it was a lot of work. I'm going to do that no more. And I just sat down with all the people who were involved. There was four of us at the time. And I told them, yo, guys, this is the last episode we're going to do. And then I'm done. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I mean, the whole time I was the the head of it. I produced all of our episodes. I recorded all of our episodes. I did all of our promo and all that. Honestly, it's probably a big reason why I didn't want to do it no more. Because I was just doing a lot by myself. Mm-hmm. And shout shout out to those people, but like I probably it's kind of my fault too because I probably should have put some of that on them. I never asked. Why not? I guess because I just like looked at it like that was my baby. So it was like your thing to do. You felt like you needed to be in control of everything, right? Okay. But I've realized now I'm like, man, like I really hated promoting the shows. Like I hated putting promo together for it, and then putting it on Instagram, Facebook, and all that. And I'm like, what if somebody was just like 
better at that than me and actually enjoy doing that. Mm. You know, and I still could have a say, so I could still say, yo, this is how I want it promoted. Put it together, run it by me, then we'll post it. But I, I wasn't used to being a boss at that time. Okay. You know, so I wasn't used to having to give direction and owning something. Like, even though, like, I never made a single dime off of the podcast network, it still belonged to me. I came up with the name. I came up with the logo. I paid to get them distributed over, you know, Apple, Spotify, all that. It was on every major platform. Yeah. And I paid for all the equipment, which cost probably at least like $2,000. So, like, when it's all said and done, I probably spent like three to $4,000 on the podcast. And so, I just thought, like, you know, this is how businesses run. Like, you have, if you want... To, to do something and upstart, you have to put money into it as well as, you know, before you even make a dollar, you're going to spend a lot of dollars. Mm-hmm. So I was, I guess I just always looked at it like it's my baby. So I, I'm responsible yeah. for, I'm responsible for raising this thing. So would you feel like, um, you burnt out quickly for sure. And then, as I said before, when things, other things in your life aren't going in that direction, mm-hmm. then the other things that surround you, they're also going to get pulled in that that way so I was like really not having a good time in my job because I'd been there for almost seven years right and they weren't trying to promote me and I'm like I did everything that you guys have asked me to do I've literally sat in front of y'all and said what do you want me to do wrote it down and I did it and then I come back to you and y'all say are you gonna promote me now no we still need need you to do these three more things okay I'm gonna do them did those three more things you know then it was always excuse this excuse that and I'm like listen I'm I just want to get promoted. Like, I'm not asking for a lot. I've been here for a long time. Yeah. I just want to get promoted. And then I remember one day saying to them, like, yeah, I think I'm going to be looking, like, towards other options. And I only kind of said that to, like, you know, like, scare them. Like, oh, we, we don't want to lose them. And they're like, you know, if that's what you feel like you got to do, then we understand. And I'm like, that's not the answer that I wanted. I wanted y'all to be like, yo, we don't want to lose you. So you wanted to feel wanted. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, when you've been somewhere that long and you put in that type of work, you know, you, you want to feel valued. Right. And then that was the first time when I realized, like, yo, no matter what you do, no matter who you are, mm-hmm. you're expendable. Because I've even seen CEOs get replaced, you know. So they always say, like, you know, when you're at the bottom, you're expendable. No, everybody's expendable. If they have to move on from the guy at the very top, they will. Mm-hmm. So if they can move on from him, they could definitely move on from me. Yeah, I think. You know, with that, um, a lot of companies definitely have that money type of mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, so you say expendable for sure. Definitely uh, expendable for sure. Um, you know, you could, you know, I'm not saying you will, but you could die today and they will replace you quickly. They'll send their condolences. But Facts. So I think it's important because you seem like you want to be your own boss, I'll say. Mm-hmm. But also learning how to, you know, it's funny how you you talked about that was your baby and you're becoming, you know, being a boss. So now you're learning, well, you know, your new position, how to run certain things. So when you have your own business, you know how to treat your workers with care and empathy so Mm -hmm. that they don't feel like they're not being valued. So, you know, and it was a part like, you know, I didn't I didn't realize delegation is a thing. You know, it's, it's just because it's yours doesn't mean that people can't help. Right. You know, so 
I definitely should have done that. So then around that same time that I had gotten that answer from my job, that was around the same time that I was like, I'm done with this. Like I'm done with podcasting. Like I always had this thing where like, I've always had aspirations Mm -hmm. since I was a kid. I remember living in New York city and we used to live on the same block as the old Yankee stadium. But when you live on the same block in New York, it could still be like 30 minutes away Mm. because them streets is long as hell. Like, you know, like you say you live on the same street and it's 30 minute walk away from where you're trying to go. Mm hmm. So we used to sometimes like take the train and then we would be outside the stadium and you could hear the games inside. We never went to a game, but you could hear the games in the inside. And I thought like being like a part of that would have been cool. So I remember when a kid, I wanted to be a a Yankee player. Then around the age of 12, I just remember seeing like watching MTV and then like seeing Jay-Z on a yacht in the big pimping video. (laughs) (laughs) It's big pimping, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I remember just like seeing DMX and Nas and M and 50 and like those guys. I felt like, I don't know, I really resonated with hip hop. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to rap. And I that's been my major aspiration since that age. But I've always had aspirations. Like I never wanted a regular job. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. There's actually times in my life where I've envied that. Yeah, I've envied the people who are like, yo, I'm cool with the white picket fence life. I'm cool with, you know, working throughout the week. And then on the weekend, I barbecue. You know, I've, I've sometimes I envy that. And I sometimes wish like, yo, I've even prayed about it. Right. I've even prayed where I'm like, yo, God, can you just make me not aspire? Can you make me OK with what I have? Mm. You know, like, can you make condition me, my mindset and my heart to not want more? To be fine with what I have because where I come from, I actually have already superseded expectations. Mm. You know, I come from nothing. So being working in the financial field, not even having a high school diploma, having a GED, I've superseded expectations of me. Yeah. So I'm like, yo, God, can you make it so that I'm cool with what I have? And I felt like the response I always get back was like, but you had nothing. So you need more. Why do you want why do you want standard when those people always had standard? Mm-hmm. You missed out on so much in life. Yeah. You know, there's those there's those kids that there's these people, your your coworkers, your peers that, yeah, they work with you, but their family took them on camping trips. They mm-hmm. took them to Disney World. They took them to all these things that you've never experienced. Now, they're not doing those things now because they can't afford it. But one day, maybe they will afford it. And then they'll be able to do that for their children. But who's going to do that for you? Mm-hmm. Only you can do that for you. I think I think the good thing about, you know, as we talk about you know, God is like he wants, you know, like you want, he wants that. But maybe like 10 times more. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like with for me, I want to go on vacation. <laughs> I haven't been yeah. on vacation, but a God that, you know, we serve, he wants the best for us. He puts, I think he puts something in us where it's like, don't complain, be appreciative, but don't get comfortable. Don't settle. Yeah. Don't settle. Yeah. Cause I got better for you. Mm-hmm. If you just keep going. And I think those situations that you have with the burnout and, you know, with the work, not feeling wanted, it's he's putting something in you to say, I know who I am and I deserve more i just need to learn how to get it yeah you know i remember a conversation and with the validation for it was um i was speaking to my grandmother around this time mm-hmm. 
And it's crazy because I was just asking God. I was like, yo, can you make me? I always say normal. Can you make me normal? Mm-hmm. Can you just make me like fit in? The crazy thing, he's not a normal guy. Right. <laughs> I was like, can you make me just like normal? Like, can I just be regular? Yeah. And I went to my grandmother's house for dinner and she was like, she was like praying over me. She said, you seem like there's like a dark cloud over your head. She's like, I'm going to pray for you. And then when she was done praying for me, she was like, I want to let, I want to let you know something. You're you and you're only you. Mm-hmm. And she said, you're not your cousin. You're not this person. You're not that person. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're great people, but you're not them. Your path is your path. And you. she said, you can never be them. Grandma knows. And I was like, yo, this is crazy because I was just thinking about this. And now she's over here spitting what I'm thinking that the only conversation I had was with God. Confirmation. And then he had that conversation with her to bring it right back around. Like, bro, like. I'm telling you no, but since you still keep asking, I'm going to have someone else tell you no. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yo, that's crazy. And so after that, I was like, yo, I'm going to reassess. Mm-hmm. So I had already quit the pod and I was like, I'm going to reassess. And I was like, okay, if you can quit something that you put a lot of hard work into, something that's yours, you can quit your job. And I was like, damn, that's crazy. Like I, I had that realization. It's like, yo, bro, like you put a lot of work and time and money into this. And you quitting it. You didn't put that amount of, of you didn't put the same passion into your job so you can leave that spot. All right. So I quit my job. I have nothing lined up. And I remember I was going on vacation with my family and they were at Outer Banks. And my uncle said, yo, the vacation's paid for. You just got to drive here. Drove down there seven and a half hours by myself. I had a great time. It's like the first time I ever was on vacation like that. And this is like a day after quitting my job. Quit my job very next day, driving all the way down to Outer Banks. Best time I had with like my family like that. I remember being there and crying. Mm-hmm. And my cousin said, what's wrong with you? And I told her, I was like, I just never had this before. Like, y'all used to this. I'm not used to this. Right. You know, and I was like, it's emotional. And I said, it sucks because I know it's going to end mm-hmm. in a couple of days. Right. And so came back, started looking for jobs. And I had a lot of money saved up. So I was just like, this will last me. I just wanted to make sure my bills was paid because I live with somebody at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll make sure my bills paid so that he's not screwed over. I'm not going to let, you know, my situation screw someone else over. So I was just looking for jobs. I probably filled out like 50 some applications at the time. Had multiple, multiple interviews. It was a good time to look for a job because the pandemic, a lot of people left jobs. So yeah. a lot of jobs were vacated. So there was a lot of good quality jobs out there. But I was like, I need to make sure that I pick the job that's right for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm interviewing. So a couple people uh, offered me jobs. I had to turn them down. And during that time, I was like, you know what? I haven't done in a minute. I haven't written any music in a minute. And that was like my thing. Like, I always love writing music, being around music. I was like, man, I felt like I, I don't think I've written a single line of a song. Hummed a single note. In four years. And I was like, I, I want to do that. So I remember there was this book that I read when I was in high school called The Death of a Salesman by Arthur Miller. It's a play, actually. And I was like thinking, like, I should write a song called that because I just quit my job where I was a salesman. And this is the death of that. Like, I'm done with that. I'm not doing that no more. So I wrote a song called Death of a Salesman. 
and I recorded it and I have a boy, his name's Kai, he goes by Perception and he's out in LA and I said, yo, I just, I just wrote a song and I've recorded it. And he was like, how do you even know how to record music? Because mm-hmm. the last time we, you know, was together making music, you didn't know how to do any of that. And I said, oh, I learned from podcasting. So the tools that I learned from podcasting, recording my voice and all that, I just downloaded a program and then I started, you know, recording my own music. So I sent it to him and I was like, can you mix it for me? He's like, yeah, I got you. I got you a freebie. So he mixed it for me and then I put it out. And I did a whole photo shoot for it and everything. Shout out to my cousin Bree. She did the photo shoot for it. Mm-hmm. And it was like a real slow song. It didn't have drums. It was just like piano. And it was more like poetry. And I put it out. And I was like really proud of it. I put it out and then people were playing it like, oh, Izzy, you haven't made music in a while. The, the, the cover art is fire. You know, it's cool. Like there was like people were excited and they heard the track. People were like, eh, it's all right. Why did they say that? I think it, it was because it, it wasn't like, like imagine, right? Obviously, I'm not this level of artist, but imagine J. Cole didn't rap for five years. And so he's rusty. So you were rusty. Right. I was rusty. But imagine he didn't imagine. Even on top of the rustiness, right? Imagine he came back and he came back with something that was like slow poetry and all that. And you were like, bro, I was kind of like coming in like amped and excited. And then you give me this. This is this is we like even the couple people who did like it. They were like, I like it, but I'm never probably going to listen to it again because it was like a little bit of a story. So that means they didn't really like it. They didn't. It, I don't think it resonated. Yeah. They could have liked qualities of it. They were like, yo, your rhyme scheme was good. I like how you sounded on it. I like this or that, but it didn't resonate with people. And I think like, you know, sometimes there are certain works of art, even that I love mm-hmm. that I'm like, man, once I watch that movie, is there really a reason to go back to it? Like movie with twists at the end. Mm-hmm. Once the twist is ruined, you might watch it for entertainment value, but you're not, no, you're no longer consuming it the same because you know what's coming. Right. You know, so I think that was like part of the problem. And I guess like I did amp it up. I was like, man, I've been repped. I, I did like a two week rollout. And so at that moment, I was like, okay, I guess I did it. And like, you know, this is confirmation that maybe this is not for me, but I was like, nah, I, I should try something else. So I went and I got like a, a hard ass beat, like, like some gangster shit. And I, and I just like freestyled basically over it. And the song was called sweet. And then I put it out and a lot of people were like, yo, that was a lot better. So you need it. You needed that one, that Russ but two to see where you are in your when you're when you're starting to step back into something that you're passionate for. So you needed mm-hmm. to get, you needed to get critique to see. Okay, I need to come back better. I need to take this criticism and grow from it. Point blank, being that people responded to the other song more. Correct, and it, it just shows that you shouldn't get discouraged. Right, criticism helps you grow. Yeah. Good or bad. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And then I was like, yo, you know what I've never done before? I've made music. I've probably recorded at least like 20 songs at this point in my life. But I've never put a project together. And that's something that I always wanted to do because I'm not a I'm not a singles artist. Like, I, example, I like Lil Wayne, but I've never loved Lil Wayne because I every time I go into a project, I'm like, yo, this is just this is just a collection of songs. There's no content to his album or his music. He's just spitting his ass off over some dope beats. But I'm like, yo, where's the content? Like, 
Give me an example, because, uh, <laughs> like, what do you mean? Okay, so, like, every Lil Wayne album is just a collection of songs. You could play them in shuffle, and it really would not change the listening experience too much. I don't know, man. The Carter Three. <laughs> but it's still, it's still just a collection of songs, right? right? So, like, I guess, like, for me, like, he don't have a 444. Okay, see, I... By Jay-Z. Okay. He don't have a 444. He don't have a To Pimp a Butterfly. He don't have a 808 Heartbreaks. He doesn't have a KOD by J. Cole. Like these these pieces of art mean something. There's a there's a over there's a there's an overlaying tone on it. And, and and sometimes it doesn't you I don't want that from every album. Like I love Give Richard Die Try and it's one of my favorite albums of all time by 50 Cent. And there's no content to it. It's just a collection of songs. But I guess like Lil Wayne never had that, and he's like considered like one of the greatest of all greatest of all time, and he is. But I always be like, okay, what's the difference between you making a project at that point, and then what's the difference between you just making a mixtape, uh, EP, uh, you know, LP? It doesn't matter at that point. Like you just made songs, and you're like, I like these songs. Let's put these out. So like your creative process. What what was your creative process? Just make songs. Granted, that worked for Wayne. It made him as successful as as he is today. He is regarded as one of the greats. He arguably has the highest peak in hip hop music ever. I think it's only rivaled by like a Drake, a Fifty Cent, and an Eminem. Wayne's great, but when I go into making music, my mind was always like, "This is my mind. This is where I'm at right now, and I want to make music off based off of this mood, this mindset." So there's going to be like four or five songs that fit into this. So let me go put a project together. Okay. Does that make more sense? It does. So I was like, I never got to make a project. So I thought, let me go put this project together. Now we're like, I quit my job in, in, in summer. Now we're more towards like the fall. And I'm like, let me go put a project together. And I was like, I'll just do like four tracks. I don't need to do anything major. And then when I'm done, when I do that, I'm done. I'm done with music. It's just like to say that I did it. If I ever have children, hey guys, you know your dad released the album one day? You right. know, like, you know, right. like I did it. <laughs> so I went and I made this album called Two Weeks Notice because it was like, it was based off of a lot of it was quitting my job. Mm-hmm. And then it played into, it played into like the whole death of a salesman thing. Mm-hmm. So it's two weeks notice. And then I announced it two weeks before it dropped. So that's why I called it two weeks notice. I'm like, okay, you're going to get this album in two weeks. I'm announcing it today. In two weeks, you're going to get it. So two weeks notice on the front cover. I'm standing in front of my old job, you know, because I thought like I just wanted to have the Wells Fargo in the background. And so I did four songs and it was mixed reviews from my peers. Like some people liked some of the songs, some people liked other songs. But overall, it was like, you know, it was like people were like, yo, congrats for doing it. You did it. A lot of people. Yo, congrats say for doing it. Right. But they won't do it. Yeah. So we went, we we got dinner the, the night of because I also dropped it um I think a day before my birthday. Okay. So we went, we got dinner, we celebrated, you know, we had a good time. Uh I remember getting zooted. I usually don't drunk drink and get high, but I did that night. I I don't do the both. So um You was feeling good good brother. i was feeling good i was feeling good and then the, the best part was like you know we was listening to music and people were like yo why are we listening to this let's listen to some izzy Raynard. put 
put the album on. Like, what we celebrate? Why are we listening to Drake right now? Why are we listening to Migos right now? Let's go listen to you. That's and that made me feel, right yeah, that was made me feel real good. So, um, you know, we we had a good time, and then I remember my boy said, "Are you done?" And I was like, I was like, I don't know. Like, I feel like the last track on the album was called Escape Plan. And that's the one that everybody really fucked with. They're like, yo, that, that last track was good, bro. And I was like, what if I could do that more? Because a big criticism I was getting was like, bro, you're too rapidly rap with it. Like, we in 2021, like, you too rapidly rap. Like, you, you're not, you, you rapping over Jay-Z beats from 1990-something. Yeah. Like, Bring a Current is like, and a lot of people, my friends were like, you don't even have a voice for that. Like, when you're doing it, you sound monotone yeah so they're like yo like that last track though you went more like on 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 like the drake type future type vibe do more of that and i was like all right whatever so i wasn't gonna do any more music but then i wrote i wrote one song called radar versus time and i was like i'll drop that on new year's day it's like end my year mm-hmm. end this end this era and then i i'm gonna focus on my career and i'm gonna be regular Again, I was still fighting it. I was like, I'm going to be regular. So I dropped the song, and then people started blowing up like, yo, bro, this is it. This this is, this is song is amazing. Like, you, this song is great. It spoke to me. People were, were, were reading me my lines back, like texting me. I'm like, yo, when you said that, that joint spoke to That's me. That's a good feeling. Yeah, and I was like, oh, snap. And then, like, my, my boy was like, yo, bro, like, he said I was playing this in L.A., on New Year's Day, because I dropped it on New Year's like at midnight. Mm-hmm. He's I'm playing it in the room right now, and people thought that it was like an established rapper. Like, yo, they said, Who's that? And the one guy was like, Yo, is that this? And he's like, nah, he's like, it's my boy. And it was like, bro, like they're all like, yo, this one's dope. Like, you dropped like a perfect track for the time right now. And everybody was like, Oh, yo, that 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 Jones dope. So he's like, bro, you gotta keep going. So I was like, you know what? Let's keep going. So 2021. I dropped November 14th, 2021. I dropped two weeks notice. And then I've dropped four projects since. Okay. So in almost a year ago, a little a little over a year ago, I dropped what I think is my best project called Misery Loves Company. Mm-hmm. And that was my pandemic album. And that album was about like dealing with depression and misery and so the way i phrased it was it was a six track album was a relationship between me and a girl mm-hmm. but the girl was a physical representation of misery so i always feel like there's depression and there's being miserable when you're depressed it's like you, you're really sad you know you normally it's caused by something right. you know somebody passed away you know your girl cheated on you and you just want to go home and you just want to like lay in your bed and not sock in that. Yeah. Listen to some like Teddy Pendergrass, love TK. Yeah, you know, like something <laughs> like whatever makes you cry, you know. Yeah. And you feel numb. So I've been depressed. Mm-hmm. Also, depression is it can be clinical. It can get to the point where you're like literally getting sick from it mm. and you have to go to the doctor and you need to take pills and shit. Misery is a little different. Misery is just like, my life sucks. Mm. I don't like my situation. I'm not to the point where I'm in my room crying and all that, but I'm just like, I'm scrolling on Instagram, not doing nothing. I'm negative about everything. 
when I'm around my friends, I want them to feel the same way I do because I feel shitty, so I want them to feel shitty. Like an amplified um, version of complaining. Yes. It's like it's like complaining on steroids. Yeah. Like lava eruption complaining. <laughs> like, you know, and it's just like you're just like negative. And it's never to the point where it's like toxic, but your friends will be like, yo, bro, just, we're, we're having a good time, right? And I felt like that's what they would say, misery loves company, because you want other people to feel the way you do. Right. You know, like my job sucks. I hope your job sucks like mine. And you get you almost get mad and spiteful at people who love their jobs. Mm-hmm. You're like, they don't love their job like that. That's cap. Yeah. You know, that's the thing that I, that I saw myself doing, like, saying people were lying. You know, like, people would be in good relationships, and since I wasn't in a relationship in my last relationship and did not so great, I would be like, bro, you really love her? I don't think you really do. Yeah. You're not like, you know, like, you know, like, or when she's like, bro, I would not let my shorty do that, bro. And that was just me, like, and then I would always feel bad. Right. After I was like, bro, why would you do that? And then I would text him, like, yo, bro, my bad. I didn't really, like, yo, she a good girl. Don't let that go. Like, don't let my shit influence your shit. And I was very aware that I was miserable. And that's the thing. Like, you have to be self-aware. Like, I'm always a self-aware person. I think when you're miserable, you're aware of that. Like, when you're depressed, sometimes you don't know. You're like, why am I crying right now? You just start crying. You're like, why am I crying right now? Yeah. But when you're miserable, you fucking know that shit. You're like, oh, I fucking hate my life, bro. Yeah. So I had started a new job and I hated that one too. And it was in banking. And I was like, I told myself I wasn't going to get back in the banking. Death of a salesman and all that. But I did. I hated that job even more than Wells Fargo. It was a better position and I was getting paid more, but I, I didn't like it. So then that is interesting because it's, um, you wanted that promotion. Then you go back to banking and you get more pay and you still didn't like it. And it was the promotion that I wanted. So what does that tell you? I think it was a combination of it told it told me that like this isn't for you. Right. You wanted something that you really didn't want. You know, I think it was just like sometimes it was a pay, but sometimes it was also a pride thing. Like I've been here for seven years, bro. Right. Like pay me what I'm, I'm worth. Or or at least let me look good. Like, you know, I'm I'm over here still. People are gonna come in like, haven't you been here for a long? Why are you still in that position? Mm-hmm. You know, so some of it was a pride thing, but overall, you know, I I do think like I was lying to myself about about it. So I didn't like my new job, and I was like, you know what? It is you're not regular. You're not regular. Mm-hmm. Use these jobs from now on as opportunities. Talk. But these are not these are not the 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 tools that you are supposed to be using mm-hmm. to fix your life. Use them for what they are. They are jobs, and you need to get up out of this lifestyle. So I was like, what do I love to do? I love to rap. I love to make music. I love to create. So boom, put together an album. I funded, directed, and and set up this whole performance to 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 promote my album. The week before the album dropped. I got five artists together and we rented out this venue. Well, I rented out the venue. I went to the venue and I was like, yo, I want it to look like this, like this, like this. Like, cool. You paid. Give us a security deposit and you can start doing whatever the hell you want. I was like, all right. Showed up. Started, you know, moving the stuff around, putting it together. I brought in my own product. Like I had like colored lights and all that. I was like, I want the whole house to be dark and I just want to put colored lights so that, you know, all you see is us on the stage. Went there, started calling up people that I know who make clothes. I was like, yo, I'm doing a show. Come out, sell your t-shirts here. It's a good opportunity. So now I have merch. Not my merch, but it's like merch. 
Then I told people, uh, I was like, yo, does anybody know who, who has like a food truck or something? Call people up. Just so happened that my mom's cousin's wife, they do that. So she came, she brought a tent and all that. They had all the food in the back. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I was trying to have it feel like a mini festival. Like not a concert, like a mini festival. Like you show up, there's clothes there, there's food there. You know, so we had that. I went and um, when I when I first agreed to the terms, I didn't read the contract from the venue and then I saw because of COVID we were at a max capacity of 60 people 60 60 and I was like bro I was I was trying to get more than that like I'm already telling people about the concert I'm already like at 30 before I even put the announcement out about it so I'm like damn bro this kind of sucks not only that like I was trying to pack the house so we ended up selling out like like that selling our tickets and we did the show and it was amazing you know, everybody had a good time. The the venue, the people who held the place, like more people started coming, showing up that saw it like on Facebook. They were nice enough to let them in, like That's over good, yeah. over the sixty. Yeah, shout out these people are it's the Pava Gallery. They're a African arts gallery. And that's another thing. I wanted my first show to be somewhere like that. Like I wanted to put money in the pockets of someone like me. I didn't want to go to a venue and be like, Here here you go, uh, Whitey, here's your two hundred and fifty dollars. You could have that for me to go do my thing. And you're probably going to limit everything I'm going to do anyway. They worked with me, you know, because I was, you know, from the community and all that. So shout out to them. They're really cool. And then when I, um, so like the, to highlight the, the, the show real quick, I got artists together and I told them, yo, I want to do like a showcase. I don't want to do a concert. I want to do a showcase. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do is we're going to perform in succession. Every concert I've ever been to has the same format. It has an opening act, another opening act, then the main act. I saw Lil Durk in concert. That's how he had it. I saw Snow Allegra in concert. That's how she had it. Every single person I've ever seen in concert, that's how they do it. Same formula. And in between, they have like music playing and whatnot. Right, yeah. That's the time for you to go to use a bathroom, grab yeah. a drink or something. But I was like, yo, what if the show never stopped? So I told my boys, I was like, all right, so what we're going to do is we're all going to perform back to back to back to back. They're like, okay, cool, cool. And I was like, but there's going to be no stopping. And I said, it's going to be more like a play. So when you're done with your song, the next person's already on stage ready to perform their song. Mm. And I said, what we need to do is we need to make sure that all of the music syncs. Because if you come in and you playing this joint right here and then they don't go together, right? So I said, we need to, so I said, send me all your songs. They sent me their songs. I was like, okay, these are the two we're going to, this is the two you're going to perform. And then right after that, these are the two that you're going to perform. Mm-hmm. And then we also had like the one guy, like it didn't really go. So I was like, yo, you play guitar, right? He's like, yeah. I said, like, can you do a guitar solo to the next dude's song? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was like really hands on it. We had a projector in the back. And for each song that was playing was like an image playing in the back to like go with what the person was saying. And then at the end of it, um, I also had flyers like flyers with everybody's faces on them and then like their QR code to go to their Instagram. So like I went all out at the end of it. I gave, I, I came out, I went and I did some corny shit. I went, I ran into the back. I pretended like I left the performance. Cause like I was the last one perform. So I just sat the mic on the stool and I walked out the back while my song was still playing. And then I was outside and I heard oh, people plotting and all that. And then they, they turned the lights on and then like my boy, he came over. He's like, yeah, thank you guys for coming out. You know, this and the other, and I went in the back and he's like, yeah, but we're not going to leave you on like a down note. Cause all the songs we were playing were like downers mm-hmm. because it was supposed to fit with the theme of misery. The, the 
the show was called an an evening with misery so he came out and then i ran around the building into the front they had a bathroom and i had clothes there i changed i changed my clothes <laughs> into a new outfit and then he started playing like high high music like you know like like bangers and then he started playing the song that we had together and then when my part came on i ran out the back and i started performing again you know mm-hmm. so when it was all said and done I had like a dozen roses and I said, before I want the night to go, you know, they always say like, give, you have to give people their flowers. So I had like a list of people that I wanted to thank for like everything leading up to that moment. And I literally physically gave them flowers. So when I was right before I was about to perform, there was this kid who I had had seen and I was sitting there while he was singing and I told myself, like, I was, I was like, had my eyes closed. I was looking down at the ground. My stomach was churning. And I was like, God, if this isn't for me, let me go out there and bomb. Mm-hmm. Let me go out there and be trash. That'll be the confirmation. Because I've been looking for confirmation for a long time mm-hmm. that this is not for me. And I went out there and then I did my thing. I was the only artist who performed with no background vocals. Like the rest of them, they all performed with their backtrack. So they were just really rapping over the song. Mm-hmm. I actually rapped with just the instrumental role of like me. So it's like, you heard my words yeah. and I killed it. And I was like, yo, this is it. This is it. So then after that, I'm gonna let you interject. Any questions? No, I'm just listening to you. Um, what gave you the idea to, you know, why did you say uh, what you did when you came through the front door? Or, you know, you changed in the bathroom. Why did you say it was corny? Because I thought like on that level, you know, I was doing something that was like a gimmick. And granted, gimmicks aren't bad. Mm-hmm. I always tell people you need to have a gimmick. They're like, oh, how would I, why would I want a gimmick? And I'm like, you think Eminem bleached his hair blonde for years? Because he liked that shit. Right. He did that because then you knew that was him. Slim Shady. You think 50 Cent walked around with bulletproof vest because he was really scared of getting shot while he was performing on stage? It's a gimmick. You know, like, every, every even I know Snoop Dogg loves to, sm- to smoke weed, but the, the how much he promotes, it's a gimmick. And it's like, it's ident- now we identify that with you. Blonde hair, Eminem, bulletproof vest, 50 Cent, mm-hmm. weed. Snoop and so like some things are a little corny but they work a lot of stuff that Drake does is corny but it fucking works you know so that's all I was saying like I went around back people probably like this nigga really changed his clothes to come out for another performance like yes but I also wanted to show people that I cared like this mattered to me yeah wardrobe changes lights in the back this that and the other you know like he went all out, you know. I see um, one thing that um, stands out is you have a good net of making sure that what you see comes to light. You know what I mean? Like, I need this, I want that, I want this, that, and the third. My question is, did, you know, did other artists have an input of what was going to happen in the show? Yes. 
So I told all of them, kind of learning from like, you know, other things. This is my night that I'm sharing with you. And when I share with you, you do as what you do with it of your share as you'd like. So when you're up there on stage, you do. I told him, how do you want to perform? Mm-hmm. How do you want to dress? I said, we now we need to be in unison. So don't come in here wearing bright ass orange and we all wearing black, you know. But like a big part was I was like, hey, guys, they they said I can use their projector. Send me. Send me things that you want to be played behind you. Yeah. And some of them like didn't really have, and I was like, "All right, well, let me look." Mm-hmm. And then I like I'm listening to your song while I'm just searching images on YouTube, and this really resonated with me. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And you know, then they were like, "Yeah, I really like that. Put that together." So I told them from the very gate, "This is my night, but it's yours too." Yeah, I feel that. You know, so their faces were on the brochure. You know, it, it was called an evening with misery and it was hosted by me. But that's another thing. I didn't do headliner. Mm-hmm. I did. Everybody is performing together. Basically, we were all on that stage together the whole time. Now, granted, when the person was performing, they were standing up front and the rest of the people were standing in the back. We were all on that stage together the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, after that, I um I released a project called Reset, which was kind of like my way of saying like everything that I've done to this point, like I got the misery out the way, got the the depression out the way. Now I just need a reset with my life. I need a fresh beginning. Mm -hmm. So I released a project called reset and it was kind of like video game themed because like when I think of reset, I think like reset in a video game. And then I released another project later that year called split screen where each track was a collaboration with another artist. So like when you play call of duty, it's a split screen. So I was thinking like, you know, like when you're playing certain video games, collaboration, you know, so they got the split screen. So that's what we came up with that. And then every track, every, and I was, it was every track was a collaboration. And then we released the album in 10 parts because it was 10 weeks, 10 collaborations. So I released, I think the first one came out like sometime in September. And then every week after that was a new track with a new collaboration. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that's kind of what I've been doing musically. I've been going full force musically. And that was my 2022. Where? Three projects, a show. Yeah. So, now that, you know, we got the scope of 2022, what is there to expect for 2023? I know... You know, we're in July. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so as hard as I worked last year on music. Yeah. I haven't released any music this year yet. Why not? Bullshit. I released one song. Mm-hmm. And that's because I felt like 2022 was proving that I could do it. Now, 2023 and beyond was like, okay, you can do it. But now you got to start putting out better content. Okay. So. Because who you, who you proven to now? You proved to yourself you can do these things. Now you need to prove it to the people outside of your circle. Okay. You know? So now it's like, okay, take your time with the art. Put out better content. So I also told myself, I was like, yo, is it's 2023. It's a different era. Also, you're a little older than most of these young rappers, right? 
you're not Lil Durk. No, actually, I am Lil Durk's age. That nigga be capping on like how young he be acting. Um, but you're not Lil <laughs> NBA young boy. Like you're, and even though Lil Durk, like he makes music for the young bulls. Yeah, you're not making music for the young bulls. So you have to be innovative. You have to really stick out. You have to build a brand. And I was like, you know what I need to do? I need to bring the podcast back. Okay. So I was like, I need something to document this journey. And that's what we're here right right now with this TakeOver FM show. You know, the music's coming. There's going to be a lot of content coming. But I wanted something to, like, document it along the way. And so that's why I decided the best way to document would be through my voice. And the best platform for that until 2023 is podcasting. It's like your journal. For sure. It's my journal that everybody gets to read. That's crazy. I like that idea. So yeah, we got we got a new album coming soon, a compilation album, my first compilation album, which is gonna be me and a bunch of other artists. Uh, the podcast is back, and I'm looking towards like building the brand again on the podcast. So it's not just gonna be this show, and this show is actually gonna be a limited run. It's probably just gonna run for the remainder of this year. Okay. And then at the beginning of next year, I will bring like my official show back, where it's like all about me but i also i definitely want to build this program up and have other shows on here mm-hmm. give people a platform learn from my mistakes and let people do their thing you know it's not it's not just my baby you know it, it's my business but and obviously i always want to have a hand in it but i also want to make sure that other people flourish because i always i never wanted to do anything alone like it's not fun if the homies ain't eating right no, I like that myself. You know, so it's like I always like I made the podcast network for people to get on and whatnot. Um, I just didn't require enough from those people. Mm-hmm. And so like that's definitely something I learned. And it's like I'm, I'm willing to share, but everybody got to stand on their own legs. Yeah. You never know who, who might, you know, yeah. come through next. You know, I'm, I'm your first famous <laughs> person. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's where we at. Um, I have a clothing line coming out soon with my boy Josh. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, the podcast, the music, the music's always gonna be number one. So yeah, that's where we at in 2023. Okay, there's a little bit of a journey, but I'm here now, and I'm ready. I need my 20 my 2023. I told myself it's a bridge year to 2024. 2022, I proved to myself. 2023, I was using this year to like hone my craft, so that in 2024 comes, I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm ready for all challengers. I think um, to just go go back off the years right Mm -hmm. you look at let's start at let's start at the pandemic you know 2019 before the pandemic i should say 2019 people are like man this is my year i'm about to go in ready whoop whoop Mm -hmm. and then the pandemic happens Mm -hmm. and it puts everything on a standstill and you know through the pandemic you you saw a lot of people trying to figure out life Mm mm-hmm um, how to make it for themselves, right? Now, as we fast forward to, we're in 2023, you're seeing, um, now you're starting to see people not in that same cycle, but still trying to figure out how to make it in this life, mm-hmm. this thing we call life. I so think, I think like the, the pandemic, like, you know, it, it definitely halted everybody, mm-hmm. but it changed a lot. It did. It's like those plans that you had, you was going to buy a home. Mm-hmm. Well, now homes aren't affordable, mm-hmm. you know, and homes aren't affordable. So those plans that you had, 
not only did the pandemic ruin them, like the virus itself, the COVID-19, we're still recovering. We are. And I do, I don't know if this is what you're trying to get at though, but like there's people who are still like kind of almost using that as an excuse as well. I mean, not, I wouldn't say I'm getting at it. I'm just starting to, it's interesting to see how a lot of, you know, for instance, I had a, a clothing line. I never see, I never knew that. Right. Um, it, but it taught me a lot about what it really takes to be the person you want to be in life. So I'll say the pandemic low key is kind of was a blessing. If you look at it like that, you know, some people look at it differently, but you know, I had a clothing line, got up off the ground and, and went right back on the ground quick because the mindset of me, all right, I need to make a quick dollar. I'm, I'm trying to be. Rich. So that's why you did it. Yeah. And it was something like, oh, I, I have this vision. I have this creativity. Mm-hmm. And it's just like. So like okay. I felt like everything you you do has to be honest. Right. Right. So like perfect, perfect segue into like this clothing line that I'm about to drop. Mm-hmm. I only wanted to do this clothing line to reflect the art in my music. People kept asking me if I was going to drop merch to go along with my albums. For sure. And I was like, I don't feel like I'm at that level of having merch. Yeah. Like merch is for concerts. When I went to the little Dirk show, they had merch with his face on it. Ain't nobody wearing no fucking t-shirt with my face on it. So now I was like, I'm you not, never know. I'm not at the Your level. Life, yeah. <laughs> I'm not at the level to have merch. But I did think, what if I had clothing, like, you know, mm-hmm. that reflected what I'm saying in my music. Mm. And so that's where I came up with the idea for my, for my clothing brand. And so it's like these tees and, and whatever we might might do, they're going to be directly like pulled sentiments, pulled expressions from my music yeah. onto the clothing. Yeah. And that's that's a good mindset to have. I'll say just piggyback off my, you know, clothing line, clothing brand. It was more so I did it with the wrong mindset. And mm-hmm. I'll say that's why I failed in that. But that failure helped me grow in so many areas, like what it takes to have your own business, the marketing for the business, uh, the the time spent for the business. Like you're going to have to put hours after you just got off your nine to five job. You're going to have to put another, you know, and it's just like, hmm, OK, I failed in this area, but it's obviously helped me for the future. Mm-hmm. So it helped me become a better leader. Um, yeah. You got to learn from every experience, every situation. And what I always tell people is if you're passionate about something, treat it like, you know, is yours. So people tell me like, yo, as you do podcasts, you're you're making music, you're doing clothing. Are you sure that you're not putting too much on yourself? And I said, OK, I got music, I got clothing, I got podcasts. And that's just like the surface of it, because I do other stuff too, like design my own. Everything I do is for myself. So if you see like an album cover, if you see like promo, I do it. Everything I do for myself. Sometimes out of necessity, sometimes because I like to do it. Yeah. So let's say I have music, podcast, and and clothing. That's three kids. Right? I know people who have three kids. Kids are expensive. Right? When they go home from work, they have to be a father or a mother Mm -hmm. to those children. I don't have to be a father or a mother to my music to my podcast or to my clothing if I don't want to be. I can come home one day and say, I'm not doing nothing. I deserve not to do nothing. I had a hard day at work. I'm not doing nothing. I'm going to order me some Chinese food and I'm going to sit in front of this TV and I'm going to watch Rocky 3. 
<laughs> I can do that if I want. They can't. Mm-hmm. So there's no excuse for those people who want to chase their dreams because I see people raising dreams. I like I like the way you put that. I see people raising dreams and they have to do it every day whether they like to or not. not right. So there's no excuse for it. And guess what? My dreams are a little expensive. Yes, I pay for music videos. I pay for microphones and I pay. They ain't expensive as kids. They're not as expensive as kids. You know, I still cost my mom some money. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, love you. <laughs> you know, so going back to that, what you were saying, like, you got to make sure it's something that you really want to do. Yep. And they're your babies. Like, it's your dream is your baby. It's yours. Yeah. No one can take it from you. Just like you, your mom's child, and no one could ever take her from you. No matter where you at in the world, you're still your mother's son. And my dreams are always mine. For sure. It's the one thing in the world no one can take from me because I don't have property. Well, you people could take part i don't have children so the dreams are the only thing that i have in this world that no one can take from me because they're yours they're mine i'll say also learning about you know <laughs> having my own business or clothing line man it was only a few people buying so it's like it teaches you that the people that you think are with you mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't say that more so like it's usually the people that don't know you support you they see your vision better than the people that are with you. And it's crazy. And it's like, all right. You know what's you crazy? Learn. You learn. <laughs> I printed up some tees for promo. And my boy said, yo, how much did you pay for those tees? And I told him what I paid for them. He's like, yo, you should let me get it for that. And I was like, why? I'm selling them for this. Yeah, but you should just let me get it for that. You're not losing money. You're just going to get your money back. you hooking me up. And I said, bro, you're supposed to support me. Yeah. And supporting me is paying what everybody else is, is, is paying. In fact, you should buy three T-shirts, one in every color. That's, <laughs> that's real support. Yeah. <laughs> support is not me hooking you up. How am I supposed to get off the ground if I'm, if I'm looking out for you? All right. I decided to make these T-shirts. I decided to design it and come out of my own pocket. You didn't do any of this. So why should I, why should I feed you off the meal that I made? That I bought the groceries and I cooked it up. When you're capable of eating yourself. Now if you if you need it, I give it. Mm-hmm. But this is a t-shirt, my guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even asking for an insane amount. Yeah. I mean, the crazy thing, right? Um, I don't know why this just came into my head. But the Temptation movie, I, there was an instance. The four-hour joint? Man, the four-hour. That's probably <laughs> one of the best movies David Ruffin, nobody's coming to see you, Otis. No disrespect to Otis. <laughs> but uh, it was Barry Gordy, um, Smokey Robinson. And he, he had a question. He said, well, this song, like, would you rather buy this song or buy something to eat? And some people raise their hand to buy something to eat. And then some people say buy the song. Like, very few say buy the song. But then there was this one hit that they had. And everybody preferred to get the song than the food. I think that's, I guess I'll give you that, Jim, of when you make your clothing line or, you know, when you do your music, would you rather have something to eat or would you rather buy this song? Would, you know what I mean? As, so, as a, so I remember one time I was at a, a video store and someone was looking at a movie and they were like, $20 for this? I'm not spending $20 on a movie and they threw it back on the rack. And I said, $20 is not that much. Mm-hmm. They're like, on a movie though? And I said... You go out to eat, and you'll buy a meal for $20. Mm-hmm. You're going to shit it out later. 
You will. <laughs> if you like that movie, and you pay twenty dollars for it, you own that now. And you can watch it whenever you want. Right? And I don't think people think that way. So it kind of ties into that what you're saying. Last question. Do you feel like you know me more from this conversation we had? That's a great question, Izzy. Oh, <laughs> Izzy is on the mic with the questions. Um, I feel like every day I'm, I'm starting to see the person you became and the person you are becoming. So that's why, you know, there's certain questions I'm not going to ask you on the podcast because that's a brother-brother conversation. But then there's certain things. I'm I mean, I'm pretty transparent. Okay. Um, maybe on episode two. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm learning you more. You know more. what we'll do? We're going to bring you in at the end, the very last episode. Oh, oh, wow. We'll do that. Okay. The very last episode, December, sometime in December, because I said this is a, a limited run podcast mm-hmm. just to document the takeover. For y'all don't who don't know what the takeover is, it's just that I'm taking over like every avenue. Like I'm taking over. Like I'm doing everything. I'm getting my crew. I'm squatting up. Mm-hmm. This is the birth of a legend. I can be a little cocky sometimes, but you need to be confident. When you look good, you play good. All that stuff. That's funny. You just said I could be cop. I could be cocky sometimes, mm-hmm. but you got to be confident. Those are two different, yeah. <laughs> two different swords. <laughs> Jada Kiss once said, "No, I'm not cocky. I'm confident. So uh-huh. when you tell me I'm the best, that's a compliment." Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. So Shout out to Jada, we're gonna bring you back on the very last episode at the end of the year. My birthday is the day before, well, December thirtieth. It don't have to be on that day. It's just oh. whenever the last episode will air. Okay. Okay. We'll bring you on. And we'll we'll ask you the same question, ladies. My birthday is December thirtieth. Uh, I'm a size twelve. I like nice shirts. No, <laughs> he does like like nice nice shirts. I don't know his shoe size though. <laughs> um, so we're gonna take a quick little break, and then when I come back, I got a little fun question for you. It's a little breakout. All right. All right. Like what you're listening to so far? Well, then you gotta subscribe. So whatever app you're listening to. For this podcast, make sure that you go to the details and you subscribe so that you can stay up to date with any releases. We're going to be dropping these probably like at least every other week, but you're probably going to forget. So just go to your phone, subscribe. Listen, if you're listening to Apple and you prefer Spotify, if you're on Spotify and you prefer Amazon, we're on all major platforms. So wherever you like to listen to your podcast, Go ahead and subscribe. And while you're at it, you got your phone in your hand. Head on over to Instagram and follow us at the Raynard Podcast Network. At Raynard Podcast Network. Very easy. R-E-Y-N-A-R-D Podcast Network. So you can stay up to date on all drops. And then we'll, you know, do some content on there too. We'll feature some of what we've done here on the podcast. So we can have fun with that. And then we can have interactions. I like to interact with the fans so go there follow us to stay up to date on all that stuff again thank you for listening back to the show all right so before we go i wanted to you know lighten it up a little bit we had some like heavy exposition there so i'm gonna ask this of all my guests i need your top five dead or alive favorite rappers of all time now before you give that to me i need everyone to realize the difference between top five favorite rappers of all time versus top five 
rappers of all time. I have two lists. Mm-hmm. I have a top 10 favorite rappers. I have a top 10 all time. There's some artists from the top 10 all time that are on my top 10 favorite and vice versa. But when I go in there and like, like what if I really liked Exhibit? Like what if I came up on Exhibit? Like what if what if my uncle had like an Exhibit album and he let me listen to it and I was like, man, I really like Exhibit. Mm-hmm. And he's in my top 10 favorite. I know damn well Exhibit ain't touching no top 10 all the time. And I think that's what people confuse. Like there's a top 10 all time and there's a top 10 that you like. Right. Your list is your list. But don't be trying to put some of your guys into the top 10 all time. Be realistic with it, you know. <laughs> that being said, <laughs> give me your top five. Desert Island, you can only listen to these five rappers all the time. Okay. Yours. Marcus Atkinson's top five. Not the top five rappers of all time. Got you. Um, I, I'm definitely going to put, you know, Jay-Z. That's my my older cousin. He's like a big brother to me. Shout out to Omar. Um, he always played Hove in the car, and he would, like, stop the track and break it down. Like, did you hear what he just said? Mar- Marcus, you wasn't listening. Um, I think the bet, the that album um, that really, like, sparked me, sparked my interest into Hove when I was in middle school was the American Gangster. Um underrated. That album from Underrated, bro. That album's you know what's funny? From Hello Brooklyn, how you doing? <laughs> my mom bought me that album for my birthday. Right. Okay. Yeah, tw- 2007. She bought me that album for my birthday. She told me to get in the car when I went to go in the seat. She was like, "Watch your ass." And I looked down at the album. I was like, "Oh, thanks, mom." You know, like, bro, we didn't come up with much. So that that meant the world to me. Mm-hmm. And I burned a plastic off of that album, physical copy. I had that joint. I still have it, American Gangster. So that's funny, right? Because Underrated album, bro. I think it's I think it's top five for him. Yeah, it's it's, it's most definitely. I like so if we we talking about Hove, Reasonable Doubt, number one. Just the track where he had Scarface and then he uh, just had Mary J. Bly, um taking up this time. Like, I think his best album is Blueprint. Blueprint. Well, funny thing. Blueprint right? is my favorite album of all time. Blueprint what? Which one? The first one. Okay. So my first ever official rap album. That you physically owned. My mom got. So I think I told you this story. It was. I remember uh, it was like Christmas and she got me the Big Timers album. And that was with Birdman and Manny Fresh. I'm that's, like, oh my god, that's probably their only album. Mom, thank you, thank you. I'm running, I'm running around. I remember, like, yeah, she's like, oh, let me see that. Oh, it got cussing on it. You can't have that. We taking it back. Heartbroken, right? Mess around, and she got me Blueprint 2.1. It was at Circuit City, but it didn't have parental advisory on it. So I guess it was the clean version. So it was that Blueprint 2, a gift and a curse. Uh, 2.1, right here. I pulled it up. Okay, uh, it's like a red. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Some of the songs, uh, I think the first one was It Was All a Dream. And 03, that was, yep. I think 03 Bonnie and Clyde is on that. Yep, 03, that's mm-hmm. number four. Excuse me, miss. Oh, this, this, my favorite, one of my favorite songs was All Around the World. Same song. Like, that Jay-Z, was a great one. Jay Z is also in my top five. And for me, he is the best rapper of all time. <sighs> I mean, he's in my top five. He's probably number two or three personal. Mm hmm. But I believe that he's the GOAT. He is. It's his wordplay, his delivery. It's his... The consistency. His boss, like... He's not a boss, like a scary boss. He's a boss that put other people on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but he definitely... So is this is this top. list 
in order or is it in no order at all? No order at all. Okay. I can't. I'm not. I can't do that. Okay. <laughs> um, so you got Jay Z. Who else you got? I Kanye West. <laughs> um, Kanye's also in my top five. Kanye, man. Not in my top. I don't think he's in the top ten list all time, mm-hmm. but he's in my top five. Yeah. I respect Kanye too from his not being afraid to be himself to his mind to some people say he's crazy but you gotta sometimes you gotta be crazy to get where you need to be Mm -hmm. um from his come up to college dropout to you know the first song i ever heard from kanye west was through the wire Um, that's most people's introduction to kanye yeah and i'm just like this is when i was a kid but just to see his progression and it his certain music like la 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 wait till i get my money right like i'm living that like mm-hmm. i know i'm not gonna be like you can't tell me nothing but it it's like you know what like wait till i get my money right you know because i'm going through something but like that song right there i mean i do know this much once i get my money right there are gonna be some people who can't tell me nothing yeah i mean brother <laughs> you know the people who telling me something now but when i get my money right they ain't gonna be telling me nothing then i just want to like when i get my money right i'm gonna stay you know level-headed because you you don't want to go back to like dang I but, get but my you're, money right you're gonna have haters of course and that's what he's saying like you can't tell me nothing yeah excuse me was you saying something uh-uh. no, you can't tell me nothing <laughs> Or like the good life, man. Uh, that was a great song. How he I put think, Michael uh, Jackson's, yeah, you know, PYT. Yep. I think Kanye has the best catalog of any rapper mm-hmm. all time. He, uh, I mean, see, I'm not like his collection of like songs. That. Yeah, is better than anybody else's collection of songs. Now, the only thing that holds him back from like people like is if you believe that, why do you think Kanye's not higher up? And I was like, well, he didn't write a lot of his own music. Mm-hmm. He's had a lot of ghostwriters, mm-hmm. and like he's closer to a Dr. Dre than a Jay Z. Okay. And so it turns out like he puts his albums together brilliantly, but he does have a lot of help with putting his albums together. For sure. But he's, I mean, he could do it by himself too. He's that like. He can. Artistic. But there's, there's been a lot of ghostwriters that he's had over the years. And so for me, I'm like, I can't put you top five all time. If you have this many ghostwriters, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I'll say Flashing Lights. That's a good song. The, the whole, the graduation album was a moment. Production. It was a moment. A lot of people put that at his number one album, but I'm like, y'all tripping. Ain't no way. But what's your number three? Number three? Mm. It's, it might throw you off, but Gucci Man. <laughs> you know, I was. Gucci I was, who? Gucci Man. Shout out my man Gucci. <laughs> I was going to jokingly say, like, you probably going to have Gucci on here. Listen, Gucci's a legend. He is. He's uh, a legend. I can't take that away from you. Again, this is your top five. Yeah. Obviously, Gucci is nowhere near a top ten all time. I mean, that's that's to people, but in in the you know in the minority in the like in the that rural area in the South, Gucci's up there. Like even people from Chicago respect Gucci. No, I'm not. I, people love Gucci, but if we're making a top ten all time, yeah. Gucci can be up there. You just gotta understand at a time. <sighs> I don't even want to say this. And I love Gucci. I was one of the few kids in my school who was like bumping Freaky Girl. That's one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah. And Lemonade. You know, those were some of my favorite songs. And like a lot of people at that time wasn't really fucking with Southern music. Right. Up they, here. Don't, they don't understand. Yes. I just thought it was cool. Like I thought it was cool. I thought he was like a character. Like he was making mm-hmm. me laugh in his raps. You know, like he just like. I felt like his swagger was what really drew me to him because I'm like, yeah. bro, you have the audacity to act like this looking the way you do. Right. I think what it was a point of time where being 
outlandish and like crazy was really respected in the sense of because no one had the audacity to do what he did. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, he was probably on some drugs and doing a lot of stuff. Oh, for sure. But the fact that he did it got the respect. Like, dang, he real. Like, he's a real rapper. Like, when he was beefing with Jeezy, he called him out on a lot of stuff. Not No disrespect to Jeezy. I'm just saying, like, yeah. he did what a lot of people were afraid, was afraid to do or say. And my respect for him, he made, like, 25... 50 mixtapes <laughs> I ain't listened to all of them But I heard some of them Probably too many But yeah Yeah He has a lot of good music But in his music It's like Catchy like That's some clever stuff to say Like okay mm-hmm. Gucci Um, Fourth Let's go to four I'm gonna have to put Kendrick Lamar um, just Kendrick's the only artist Out right now Today mm-hmm. That I feel like Has the chance To become the greatest rapper Of all time His the When he said um He's the king of New York um, the juggles both both coasts. Yeah, on the controversy, and he he sparked something in hip hop that didn't have in a while that mm-hmm. competitive edge. I like that. Kendrick might have, in my opinion, the second best catalog all time, just behind Kanye. Okay, because like all his albums are good or classic. I respect. Like, that. He don't have a bad album yet. Granted, <laughs> he's he's a lot newer in his career than some of these other rappers that you're naming, like mm-hmm. Gucci. Jay-Z and Kanye all got years on Kendrick. Mm-hmm. They've been around a lot longer than Kendrick has, like decades. So he hasn't had the opportunity to do some of those things that those other artists, like I feel like every artist has a bad album. It's only natural. Like you can't be in the game that long and just keep putting out fire, 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 fire. Kanye might be the exception. And even some of his albums toward the ends are like, like I wasn't a big fan of Donda. Yeah. I was I like, mean, it was okay. He's hitting a different type of spirituality too. Like, no cussing, you know, for God. But see, that like, didn't bother me because I really like Jesus is King. I no, I'm saying I love that, but to a lot of people, you got to think like they're like, we need the old Kanye. We want the old Kanye, and Kanye's like, I'm doing something different. Catch up or get yeah. off. All right, so you got Gucci, Kendrick, Jay Z, Kanye. Who's your last spot? Um. For his music, you know, a lot. I know he does a lot of stuff out, you know, outside of hip hop, but he's very good at what he does. His lyrics is Kodak Black. <laughs> Kodak. That is surprising, even more than Gucci, because I feel like Gucci's a solidified legend. I don't think Kodak's there yet. I don't know. I don't know if Kodak's ever going to get to that level where he's going to be viewed as a legend. He he. he Kodak, if you listen to Kodak's music, he is talking pain. He, I can, yeah, I can see that from everything he said. Life's not tied, you know. Life's not, you know, a prize, but you know, it's still a blessing to be here. You know, everything one k, <laughs> like, you know, he, he got to thank God to be here. He's very authentic into himself. Mm-hmm. Something I've always appreciated with Kodak. Some of the out of rap stuff kind of bothers me a little bit because I'm like, you got to be a better human being. Yeah, I mean, but, some stuff. When you're at that level, so when we get to that level, right? But when you're at that level of success and when you have that much money, mm-hmm. you got to have to know how to maneuver anything, these distractions, because I don't know if it's true or not with what he did. I'm not saying I don't condone anything that, you know. Yeah. But if he didn't do it. I mean, he pleaded guilty to it. Right. But if you listen to him, he said, I don't want to talk about this because I don't, you know, I'm. I don't go for that, but I'm not saying he did it. He just said sometimes 
you're going to have to just take the L because even if you didn't do it just to end the court. You know, like basically mm-hmm. he was saying, like, even if you didn't do it, you're going to have to do it. My mom, you know what my mom used to say, though? And Kodak, I hope you're listening. <laughs> you should never be in those situations and get right. yourself put in them. That's what I'm saying. But yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, when you're in that environment, right, mm-hmm. and then you get some money, mm-hmm. you want to just get out. But he doesn't – I'm not – it's not an excuse. It's a product of his environment. Like, he, he's from the he's from the gutter. He's from this, that, and the third, like. He's only gonna act. Yeah, I get that. What he knows now, that's not an excuse. It's not right. It's not, and I'm not saying because there's other people who came from the same place he came from that don't act like that. Right, but when you when we get there and you know he's there, it's like they tell you like you can't put yourself in certain situations knowing mm-hmm. that it's gonna be what's gonna happen. You gotta be better. You gotta think better. But when you know better, you'll do better. Yeah. So it's it's one of those. I know probably people like. But Kodak, man, if you really listen to Kodak Black, especially... Uh, so what's his best album? <sighs> best album? Because that's the thing. The, my biggest problem with a lot of these newer artists, they don't even have bodies of work that I can look to and be like, yo, that's good. Mm-hmm. Like even Gucci got the Roderick, the State versus Roderick Davis, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not a classic album, but they're notable albums. Jay-Z has tons of notable albums. Kanye, obviously. Mm-hmm. Kendrick, obviously. My problem with a lot of these newer guys, like the the Dirks, the NBAs, the the Kodaks, they don't really have albums that like you can name off the top of your head. Okay, I, I'll give you. I think he has an album called Painting Pictures. That was fire. Like that's probably his biggest album. He said, "You know, I'm a hot boy, but I'll never lose my cool." <laughs> like 1800 block one. That's why I'm riding with my. I tool. do. Like, I, I do fuck heavy with a song, no flocking. Yeah, that like, song is an anthem. He can't, but he did this on his own. He didn't have no help, like no flock and all that. Like, I'm trying his come up. What do you mean, no, crazy. no help? Like, if you look at his come up, he was doing it by himself. Like, I mean, everybody a- has help though. Okay, because he didn't mix his own songs. He didn't produce his own songs. Everybody has help. That's true. Okay, you know, but I, I, but yo, the one of the reasons why I've always looked up to rappers is because a lot of them come from bad situations. Yeah, and they made a way. You know, the athletes, people say like, yo, all black people want to be athletes and rappers. And it's like, yeah, because honestly, they show us the way doctors, even black doctors, like a lot of them. I feel like sometimes people get in situations and they they forget that they have to put on for their people. Yeah. You know, and I understand that that's a responsibility that not everybody should have. But unfortunately, that's a situation that people of color have to be in. So like when a when a doctor gets on, if he's a person of color, he needs to go back and tell his people what's the benefits and how they can do it. Yeah, that's the one thing that these rappers are always doing. They're always putting people on the game. They are, you know. So it's like it's it looks easier or more accessible to become a rapper than it is a doctor. But it's actually more likely that if you go to school and you follow the path, you'll be a doctor than it is that you'll become a rapper. Because to become a rapper, you need a little bit of luck in there. You do. It's not like no profession. I, I'll say nothing comes easy. Like nothing comes easy, but there are different professions that you know. If you follow a path, that's the, the end goal is there. Oh yeah. There's no blueprint to becoming a rapper. There is a blueprint to becoming a doctor. Yeah, There's no blueprint to becoming a rapper or a ball player or an actor or anything with the arts or the sports. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. So you got Kanye, Kodak, Jay Z. Real quick, just before we wrap Gucci, up. Kendrick. So Kodak's, I say, Kodak's best, like... Album? Album. Project? Project. If you, like, banger, hit after hit, I'll say Painted Pictures. 
his most realest album is Dying to Live. You know, um, when did that come out? 2018. And I knew, and I think I like Kodak a lot because I saw him perform 2018 and he, he could play the piano really well. And I'm like, he's very like. I miss Skinny Kodak. He, and also, I'm sorry, in the last three and four is Back from Everything. That's a great album. You should listen to it. And then Lil Biggie Pot. But, um, and then Institution at Five, I have to, because he has a song called Gospel and Back on My Feet. It's, Kodak is a really good artist. <laughs> I enjoy some of his work. There's some times where I feel like he's bullshit and he's not taking it serious. Yeah, he probably on some of that lean or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's that song that he had with a boogie with the hoodie when he said something I'm all bullshit you would think I'm farting and I'm like do better do better yeah, I was like do better like some of these lines I'd be like do better bro like you there's no way you wrote that and you thought that that was fire and you were gonna go and still like do better you're yeah. just you're playing me at this point <laughs> I got you well what you so you you label the rappers that I that I chose Kanye yeah Kendrick mm-hmm. Jay-Z mm-hmm. Kodak mm-hmm. Gucci Mm-hmm. That's your that's your top five personal, right? And granted, I know, bro, it's your list. No, no, I know. I'm there's I'm worse just... rappers that other people like. In my like, in my opinion, there's worse rappers that people like. At least I like four of those five artists that you named, and I'd like some Kodak 80%? songs. Who, who who's the one you didn't like? Kodak. What? I don't dislike him. It's just like I'm not bumping Kodak. Like I'm not buying a Kodak album ever. I'm not bumping code. I probably at most would probably have like three Kodak songs on my iPod if those things were still around. See, that's because you never rode with me in the car for real. Play Kodak. You're going to be like, what Listen, song is this? <laughs> I ride around with people when they're playing some of their artists and I'm like, bro, you need to turn this shit off. Like, you know, it's, it's just no, it's just like, I think, I don't know. Kodak's not necessarily for me. I understand why people like him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a bad artist. I would say he's like, for me, he's like mid. Okay, respect. Um, he's just not for me. I do, but I do like like no flocking is a fucking fire song. Like oh, yeah. I, that song's dope, and I just like I always liked his originality, like how he sounds like himself. Right, very unique voice. Um, you know his personal stuff aside, like just keeping it to the music, he's fine. He's serviceable. Yeah. I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not turning him off when he comes on. Yeah, no respect. Respect. I mean, I know the young boys like him. And I know the streets like him. So it's like, does Kodak have what it takes to be a legend one day? I don't know because I don't feel like there's enough there. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Future, it was him or Future. I'm just like, I respect Future and what he's done. He's in my top 10. But Kodak is. Uh, Future is definitely a legend as well. Oh, yeah. Just when that 2014 or 2015 year, that's when he took off. I, I think when he broke up with Sierra, that's when he really, you know, I was listening to his mixtapes. Like I would say, one, no, when, when, free band game. no, when did uh, DS2 come out? Uh, Dirty Sprite 2? Oh, freshman year of college for me. Dirty Soda Sprite. So what year was that? Like, 2014? Yeah, 2016, 2015, 2016, going in that year. That's, yeah, that's when he blew up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the monster, the monster mixtape was tough, though. It was, but it wasn't Dirty Sprite too. Monster on these and fifty six, <laughs> fifty six nights as well. Yeah, his like was his Aetoven. mixtape. His mixtape. His mixtapes were better than his albums at that time. Oh Honestly, I think his mixtapes in general are better than his albums. Man. And then even the John with Drake, what a time to be alive. Man, his mixtape game is crazy. Yeah, Marcus, 
Thanks for coming on here, talking, Thank you chopping it up me. with me. The listeners, the listeners are going to hear you back here when we out here and it's cold as shit. And they got nothing to do with being inside and listen to my podcast. Right now, it's summertime. People are going to be out. They're not going to listen to podcasts as much. But when it's cold and y'all got nothing to do but sit home, remember that Marcus Atkinson is going to be back here. Again, thank you. Thank you. For, for, for appearing. Thank you for all of the people who are patient with me, waiting for this. All my listeners, all my followers. We got a lot coming this is Izzy Raynard from the Takeover FM, and we out. I will see you very soon. Very soon. Please.